Hello and welcome to Big Trouble in Little Podcast, a show where there is themes of movies and they have a gimmick of ranking at the end of the month. Today's movie is Le Mans, a movie starring Steve McQueen. Enjoy. It is January 16th, 2024, 9.08 p.m. It's a Tuesday, and it's Big Trouble Little Podcast, episode 270. I'm Joe Doves. I'm Andy. I'm Chaz. And we're doing Le Mans. <laughs> uh, we're still doing uh, Andy's uh, racing movies. And uh, after Grand Prix, we're talking about Le Mans. Who's it directed by, by the way? What's that? Who directed oh, this? It. Well, uh... John Sturgis started to direct it, and then he quit, and it was taken over by a guy named Lee Katzen or something. He hasn't really done a whole lot of other big stuff. John Sturgis was the big name. He did uh, Great Escape, Magnificent Seven, stuff like that. Is there a reason why he quit? Did, yeah. Is there any history? <laughs> uh, uh, the, I mean, we're, we're kind of putting the cart before the horse here, but the making of this movie was, like, famously troubled, and they had a lot of trouble with, like... Like Steve McQueen didn't want there to be so much of a plot. He wanted it to be about racing and uh, uh, some other studios like financers starting to get involved and they were moving stuff around. And John Sturgis famously said, I'm way too rich and too old to put up with this shit. And then he quit. (laughs) He went went full Murtaugh. Too old for this shit. He just left. That's great. (laughs) Oh, damn. So I, I... I, I literally don't know where to start in this movie because the whole movie is the start race. Start with the itself. racing. That's what the movie does. Yeah, it, yeah. It race, <laughs> race from flag. beginning to end. From from beginning to end, the race happens. And uh, I will admit, like I went through uh, again, like Grand Prix, kind of went through a little bit of emotions in this. Uh, I still think I'm kind of on the fence about this movie, uh, but man. 40 minutes of just literally nothing uh and no no character. wrong well it's racing but like there's no kind of plot for me to understand what the- yeah that's that's the thing like um steve mcqueen this uh solar steve mcqueen's like production company this was the movie he had wanted to make for years and, and the thing about steve mcqueen is like yeah he's an actor but also he genuinely like loved racing motorcycles and cars. The The year that they were going to film this, he got second place in the 12 hours of Sebring. Like that's a pretty big deal. Like he, the only reason he got beat is because a uh, Mario Andretti beat him <laughs> racing for Ferrari. Who's that? Yeah. Who's that? No. <laughs> <laughs> that's but, uh, great. But he actually, like he was a real race car driver and, and motorcycle driver. And he actually wanted to enter a car in Le Mans, genuinely and they were just going to film it but uh the insurance company were like no <laughs> we're not going to insure this movie if if steve mcqueen races at lamont um at this time 
someone would die at Le Mans almost every year, like from a wreck. So I mean, it was, it was still famously not the safest thing in the world. So for people that are maybe they haven't watched the movie yet, they decided just to listen to our beautiful take on it beforehand. Could you maybe explain what Le Mans is? Le Mans is the most famous motorsport in the world, I, I think, or the most famous race, I mean to say. Uh, it's it's the endurance race. It's a 24-hour race that takes place in Le Mans, France. Uh, it started in 1923, and um, basically they, they go for 24 hours. I think it's 4 p.m. to 4. I, I can't remember. It's 3 or 4. It's It starts mm-hmm. in the early afternoon. And um, you know, like it's like the most famous race in motorsports. It's it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. And like you said, because of the endurance to it, it is. If, if those if watch the movie and maybe have noticed too, but if if those haven't, th- there are teams. So obviously, that one person is not driving for twenty four hours. They they come out in their pits oh, yeah. and no, cycles. That would be, be humanly impossible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, it's not a great Turismo where you, you you drive all night, right? Like the you really you switch out and, and I've actually always wanted to do that. Like Gran Turismo and Forza Motorsport, you can set it up to actually mm-hmm. do like a twenty four hour thing, and then like you know have some buddies and you like actually run it virtually. Yeah. I always thought that would be funny. I did that. Uh, Gran Turismo two had um, an I think it's an all night race, and it's eight hour endurance race. And cool. some buddies and I did that. I remember drinking so much Mountain Dew that I nearly pissed myself on the morning, uh, like trying to get to the bathroom. And we were trying to finish. I was like, ah, it's so close. We're going to finish. That was a lot of fun, though. Uh, there but, are eight uh, hour endurance races, of course. There's eight hours of Fuji, and there's eight hours of something else. Daytona? I think Daytona's 12, maybe. I don't remember. But yeah, those are a blast. But, uh, but of course, they switch out with teams, um, they're multiple drivers. Um, and according to this movie, actually, this is what I was wondering about with the, the rolling. It, you're not necessarily stuck to one driver per car. Like you have a rotating number of cars and drivers and those car drivers are not exclusive to those cars. Yeah, They pull the, the swap in this movie and they put yeah. Steve McQueen out after he's wrecked his car. They put him in uh, the other guy's car, Ritter, I think his name was. Yeah, Ritter. Yeah, Ritter, the 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 man that was looking to already retire, he but he didn't retire. Want to retire. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know how. Le- I mean, it's got to be legit. Like knowing mm-hmm. the kind of movie Steve McQueen wanted to make, I, it must be legit. But I don't mm-hmm. think that happens commonly. At least not. Yeah. I, I'm not exactly like I know a fair amount about Formula One now, and I'm starting to learn about endurance racing. Like that's kind of my secondary motorsport passion but i i haven't got there yet i watched a bunch of le mans this last time and i've watched a little of it in the past but not like i did this last year and i'm this this coming year i'm trying to watch it and sebring and nuremberg and and daytona and fuji like all the endurance stuff yeah yeah they they fucking uh that that coach or whatever the uh, head guy of what the team and stuff He's like, yeah, John Ritter, he, he can't do it. You could do it. I'm like, oh, man, that sucks. <laughs> You're just telling him he sucks pretty much. Kind of. And then she, yeah. his wife's like, you said you wanted to quit. And he just says, well, not like this. Like, yeah. it's, it's kind of heartbreaking for him. It is, but at the same time, it, it's almost like you in the last movie, you have someone who, in Grand Prix, it's a great comparison, right? Like, you have someone who their heart's not all the way in it anymore. So, and of course, like, 
they're still a great racer, but they tragically pass away in a wreck where this guy has like that same vibe in a way. He's like, I'm done. I'm tired of racing. Like I'm tired of the danger of it. I'm ready to come home and, and, you know, finish. And I think it's like kind of noticed maybe in his driving. That's kind of how I perceived it. At least you only have so much information to go on. So I kind of took it like, okay, maybe his coach knows he's checked out. He's not going to take any risks. He's not going to try to win the race. He's just going to try to finish it. And they want to win. As he said, Porsche needs to bring Le Mans home. That's that, that was the, that was the plan. He needs to bring Le Mans home. He needs to win. So he put uh, Delaney in, in the driver's seat, which made sense. Cause man, they, they really gained some ground when they put him in there. So, but he didn't win. But he, he did win. No, but he, he he didn't directly win, but he definitely was the reason his team won. More or less, yes. Yeah, because they, without... they get a one-two victory because of him. When when they set out to make this movie, um, the guy who wrote the script for the Thomas Crown Affair and Bullet, he was working with Steve McQueen. By the way, I watched um, Steve McQueen, The Man in Le Mans, like the documentary. So a lot of this is going to be all tied up in 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 that but uh he gave a treatment for this and he basically he he said well steve what do you want this movie to be and he said well i don't want to win and he hated that he said well i don't want to write a movie where you lose i want to write a movie where you win mm-hmm. and and i guess they they disagreed about it or whatever and the uh, the guy ended up never working at hollywood again oh wow yeah because they, they he had a fight like uh, Again, the the production of this movie was incredibly troubled. He had a uh, Steve McQueen had a falling out with uh, with Alan something that that screenwriter. Um, he and and John Sturgis had an argument, and Sturgis quit. Uh, his marriage fell apart during the making of this movie. Um, a bunch of other stuff happened. Like he kind of, it's implied in the documentary that he started to fall out of love with racing after this. Because did you guys catch in the credits? It says special thanks to so and so for their sacrifice during this movie. Mm-hmm. I I, I caught a glimpse of it. Yeah, but uh, someone when they were filming this movie, he got in a bad wreck and lost his leg, and I guess part of it was tied up and like he started to see like oh what could happen or something. That's what they say, but I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, I noticed. But the very little dialogue and plot in this movie uh, has the same themes as like Grand Prix, like Chad's brought up before about, you know, retiring and seeing like get, getting hard out of it. Uh, I also saw the the correlation or the similar things with the Steve McQueen's character, like kind of falling in love with that blonde chick, just like in the last movie with the. Yeah, it's got yeah, a similar and, thing going on there. And he, Steve McQueen's uh character is like stone cold like he had no emotion even like when he came in second place he's like yep i'm doing it <laughs> and no celebration like he celebrated but uh sort of it's got one of the it's got one of my favorite moments in all of film is where he looks back at the the ferrari driver uh, uh, and gives and he, him the up yours yeah he, and he just gives him that smirk yeah I did like their rivalry. Like, there's, like, a great respect there. And that is something, like, I know you mentioned, Dubs, about how the movie, again, the intro goes so long without there actually being any dialogue. Uh, but this, I, that's its own thing, which, I mean, for better or for worse, it's there. But this movie does a great job of telling a lot of the story elements that it has without dialogue. Like, there's a lot of moments after they do establish between Delaney and Stoller w- wow. how they respect one another. 
Um, so it'll be a pain in the ass now. I love that line. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't be careful, and it'll be a pain in the ass. That's that's a good one. Again, the ending when he gives him the up yours with the with the two, and then he he just smirks. Um, even before that, like you don't like looking back at how they talk about each other. They're being interviewed by respective, you know, paparazzi and, and news. Uh, while they're walking and they haven't said like, they haven't established in the movie what their relationship is with each other, but just being asked about one another. So they're setting that up and they both have nothing but great things to say about each other. Like they're still very stoic about it. But Steve McQueen says he's probably one of the greatest drivers in the world. Like he, he's still complimenting him rather than trying to, like, you know, dog him. He rest, he respects him as a driver. So, um, I, I like that, that aspect of it. Um, yeah, the, because the, the, now it's, the, I mean, think about anything else you watch where there's rivals within, you know, even if it's combat sports, racing, whatever else, like there, a lot of times people are pushing you to just throw shade to somebody else and, and, and just dog them for no reason. Like, you don't need that. Like you, you can just like be against each other, but also respect what each other's done. Mm. Yeah. And yeah, this movie, this movie does, here's what I give like a positive because a lot of casuals, when you watch this film, are probably not gonna like it. Be like, they'll say like right. me. They're like, "There's no dialogue. There's no plot." But th- there is plot in the movie. Like, especially, I I do like the scene. It's silly to me, but I I, I get what they're trying to do. It's like, uh, doing backstory where Steve McQueen like gets out of the car, just stares into like nothingness, and then you get like a flashback of like the the accident that gets mentioned by the blonde chick later on in the movie. That's what I connected as far as the plot. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the movie doesn't hold your hand at all. You have to look for the plot. And I did find the plot. I just think as far as like an attention span, like let's say if you're not into racing and you're not in, uh, into movies that don't hold your hand, this movie is probably not for you, but uh, I know that that's always been the conversation around this movie is when it came out, it had like mixed reviews. A lot of people didn't really like it. It didn't make a lot of money. It was kind of seen as a failure and like self-indulgent, like, Oh, they gave Steve McQueen too much power. And he just like shot a bunch of dumb race crap. But as time has gone on, it's become very much a cult classic because everyone who likes motorsports loves this movie. Because it's re- it's a documentary is what it feels like. It feels like you're watching a documentary yeah. about mm-hmm. Le Mans in 1970. Yeah, that's it. Definitely feels more like the people that wrote it really did care about the actual motorsport. They didn't want to make a dramatized, nonsensical film that didn't stick to the truth of what the sport was about. So, I, I will say, like one of the things I think that does hurt this film is that, and we've talked about this over and over with movies. Again, there, there's. It's one thing to spoon feed someone and have too much information. It's another to lead someone completely in the dark and then make it be just a little too vague. Like there are there are a few things that unless I looked it up or, or had looked it up, I wouldn't have like fully picked up. But again, a lot of it's inferred. I, again, I I now I, I'll even say this: like I hadn't looked up anything related to this movie to see like what all of their uh, relationships were. What I assumed from the, how the film played out, the Steve McQueen's partner is the one that wrecked. Is that correct? Or did he see his own wreck at the beginning? What? Uh, the wreck. Uh, the where, wreck. Where whenever he's, he's standing there, when he's staring off, like he, he's. Oh, like, at the very he, beginning. He's yeah. remembering the year prior. He and um, the blonde's husband were involved in a wreck. He died, okay. and Steve McQueen got hurt. 
Right. Okay. So that's 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 okay. So it was both. So because uh, at first when I saw it, without like again, you're watching it chronologically. I didn't go back to watch, but you see Delaney look, and it seemed like he was you're like have reliving the trauma of his own wreck at first. That's the way I took it. Yeah. Uh, and then later on, you, you're introduced to her, and it seems like they actually just bring it up later that her husband died. So that's how I kind of tied it together that it, it was one or both. The there's actually there's actually an interesting thing that happens that I never realized when I watched this movie the first time. But he's mm-hmm. driving his little Porsche 911 like through Le Mans, like near uh, the cathedral and stuff. He sees her buying flowers that morning. Oh, I okay. Didn't, I didn't realize that when I watched the movie the first time because you don't see her again for like forty minutes. Oh, you don't realize it's relevant. That's that's actually yeah. a good thing to point out. Yeah, I didn't I didn't catch that. Uh, he sees her buying flowers on his way to the crash site to like. Gotcha. Yeah, I, or... I had an oh oh moment because in the beginning I was like, "Here's me hating women again." I'm just like, "Man, this this lady's a bitch. Like, why is he? Why is she being like so mean to fucking Steve McQueen?" Well... And then like, and then we get to the point where like you find out like, "Oh, our husband died and he got to live and stuff." So, yeah, they, sure. they have the same conversation in this that they did in Grand Prix, where she's like. If men are going to put their lives on the line, shouldn't it be for something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, has, he has that nice dialogue where he says, "Oh well, it's really you know men who do it well. It's really important to them, and everything in between is just waiting or whatever." Yeah, and well, I, it's I think it's like people people do a lot of really bad things or do a lot of things poorly. go through life doing things badly. badly. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. racing's important to men who do it well. That's why I put the quote up. For, for those who can see it at home, haha, you can't. But, uh, but that said, uh, yeah, um, and this is what I didn't pick up on. This was the one piece. That, what was her relationship to the other driver that then gets injured in the current race? Was it just like her husband's partner, or was she actually dating or married to that person now? Or I don't that's know. She says she's there about. on her own. Okay. Yeah, when that's when they're eating together. She says that she came on her own just because she yeah. needed to, or something like that. Right. I kind of took it like it was support, like it was possibly her husband's partner, maybe. Yeah, I think I think she just knows these guys. Like they all know each other, and so they know, you know, the the women they're with or something. I, I guess. Well, that that's kind of what I thought. Like it wasn't like she was romantically. Like at first, I thought she she was romantically involved in because she showed up when he was hurt. But actually, it turns out she showed up because. Delaney got hurt too, but she was there for him. So I, I kind of picked it up more like, okay, is she related to him or is she a friend? Clearly they're setting up that Delaney is, there's going to be some type of interest between the two of them, uh, which is still an intriguing thing. Like without any context or plot to explain to someone that this man would get in a car accident with that other, with someone's husband, the husband would die and he would live in a year later. Uh, they would finish a race and they would show that there's like some type of emotional attachment and they end up in a relationship. I really like that. Like, yeah, uh, a lazier movie would have put a ton more time in. I I guess when they were making this movie, they people were breathing down their necks, like saying there's got to be a love interest. There's got to be a love story. There's nothing here. There is, um, there is a love interest. It's racing. Well, yeah, (laughs) but uh, when they were making this movie, they shot the actual Le Mans in 1970 and then they shot like for weeks afterwards, like choreographed stuff. Like, okay, we need the Ferraris to be leading the Porsches. We need the Porsche to pass the Ferraris. We need traffic to do this. And they were shooting all that stuff. And uh, it went on too long. And I, all those problems started happening that I mentioned earlier. And another company stepped in and got a new director 
and uh, Steve McQueen signed a contract with them to save the movie, but it basically said, I will act only as an actor in this movie, blah, 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 blah. And then at the bottom, he signed it, Steve McQueen in blood. Like, not literally in blood. He wrote in blood as if as if to say, I would if I could. Like, he was oh, yeah. being he was, he was being a little... Uh, a little dramatic. cold about it. Yeah, dramatic. Yeah, that's a yeah. better, better way to put it. But uh, he... I guess he was still proud of the movie, but he he wanted it to just be. Um, uh, in the in the documentary, they talk a little bit about how he loved racing. Like he found when you're going really fast, you like find the zen, and it's like a high. And you know they talk about all that stuff that you cliche stuff that you hear racers say after the race in a stupid wind down interview or something. But they talk about it in a very real way, and he wanted to bring that to people like that was why he wanted to make this movie mm-hmm. is he wanted people to see like look how wonderful motorsport racing is and then you know hollywood producers were like no you gotta have a story you gotta have a love interest there's gotta be drama there's gotta be people and they're not wrong i'm not saying like oh they should have just made a movie that was two hours of race cars man because you, know, you can just watch a race yeah, when I when I see this movie, like I I try to compare like production companies. Like this would totally be an A twenty four movie, I think. <laughs> like, yeah, no, I think you're right. Yeah, and I think it's you're just, right about that because it does have like some art to it. Like just the racing itself had art to it, and not, you can not tell- even just the racing. Like there's several moments where it's like it's raining, and there's like showing scenery, and there's like people walking around, and like some guy with his girlfriend, and like children racing little toy cars and like people and just, just drinking and just plays wine, nice yeah. music for a while and you're just the movie is just a mood for a bit yeah a- so another the- missed opportunity to have plot but i'm glad they didn't because i love those moments it's well, like wind down moments from the action that is the racing well that's kind of like the beginning too like again i, I am someone who very much would want to have something right away not to explain it but to like latch on to because otherwise i normally would get really distracted um but even with that, like I didn't have any trouble keeping pace and just watching what was going on without any dialogue because there were so many things still happening that kept my, like it's again without dialogue they used the sounds and and environment around them to create a mood that kept you in at least to me it kept me interested to know what was going on and again maybe that's part part of the interest of racing like if you totally are just not about that at all then yeah it probably would be a little it, yeah. more difficult but. Like this is definitely a movie for people who like racing or yeah. want to get interested in it, rather than just watch it for the sake of it. Like, yeah, honestly, um, the thing about this movie is, fr- from from the perspective of film and entertainment, I it's kind of indefensible. That sounds meaner than I meant it to, but if you wanted to present this movie to someone that you knew didn't like, wasn't going to be into this kind of thing you would be doing them and yourself a disservice. That's a huge waste of time. There's mm-hmm. tons of people. There's, I think the majority of people will never like this movie. Sure. But I love this movie to death. And I know a lot of other people who do. So I, I don't know. That, that's kind of the conversation. I think, um, you know, for the sake of the, of the show, like we're going to rank them all at the end of the month. Uh, I think Grand Prix is a better film than Le Mans. But I think I love Le Mans like way more. But that's that's just me. Like every I I would have a hard time imagining there's a whole lot of other people in my life that would agree with me on that. Yeah, I mean, it's, 
I'm the opposite. I mean, I love Grand Prix. Uh, yeah. That's that's because I love the drama and all that stuff. Uh, Grand Prix is a great movie. Yeah, Le Mans, it was a fantastic movie. Yeah, yeah, Le Mans. I like again. Emotion, emotions happen where I was like, "This is interesting." Uh, this race. <laughs> that's why I like posed a question in Messenger of like, "Why are they changing the seats?" Like, <laughs> I don't does know. the seats? I really get, don't. Get... I, I wonder that too. I was like, "Do they still?" Yeah. Do they, what are they doing? I, I will say this. This is something that I thought was really interesting about this movie over the other. And again, it's because it's it's somewhat apples and oranges. Like this one's playing over one race versus series of races. Yeah. I w- again, even with all the drama involved in Grand Prix, and I I'm kind of in the boat with Dubs. Like Grand Prix was a wonderful film, and I loved it. I was on the edge of my seat seeing how the this movie was going to end, which I think is the point. Like if you get pulled in, seeing how the race is going to end and being interested in it, like mm-hmm. that's the sell. Like if that got you, then okay, you get this movie. You like it. It's very um, exciting when there's like, I want you to go in, in his car and you're like, Oh man, what, what's happening now? What's going to happen in this race? Like the moment, like the race, you see it, the Ferrari have engine problems. And you're like, ah, ah! <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the flat happens. And then you're like, Oh shit. And then they're catching up. And I'm like, how's this going to play out? Is he going to pass his own teammate? And then you realize he does the wedge. He does the play to intentionally keep like he gives a sacrifice play. It's the sacrifice butt in baseball. He he intentionally keeps the other person, whether he even if he sacrifices his own health, which thankfully he didn't wreck because he's just a great driver, but he intentionally kept it so that the his teammate could not get past. And that's again, it's a subtle thing, but it's a bigger deal. That's exactly why at the end the driver the the coach thanks him. The the driving coach or the he team knows, leader. He knows, what happened. He knows yeah. exactly what happened. He's like, Yeah, the, we would have lost this race if it weren't for you. Same reason why Staller gave him that look. It's like, ah, ah, you little prick. <laughs> you did it again. Like it's, it's brilliant. I love it. I, I actually would hate this movie. If McQueen would have won the race, like if something yeah, would have happened to his teammate. Yeah. Exactly. I, I think he made the right decision. That was his, like I said, he made that decision. Like before they shot a second of film, he said, okay, mm-hmm. the main character's going to lose. I want this to be very realistic. I think, um, like I said, at Sebring, he got second place. And I wondered if that wasn't the genesis of his idea for that. Yeah. Well, apparently, well, he'd wanted to make this movie. He wanted to make this movie before Grand Prix got made. And in fact, he had like talked to people around Hollywood. And I guess depending on who you talk to, they were like, oh, we're going to scoop Steve McQueen on this. We're going to go make Grand Prix behind his back. Oh, my gosh. And then Jane, uh, John Frankheimer and... Uh, uh, James Garner made that movie and Steve McQueen hated that they did that. I I don't know his opinion on the movie, but I do know two things about it. Um, he, he, I guess he saw it. And he said, Oh, it's just a movie like meaning, Oh, they just made a Hollywood movie. It's not about racing at all. Even though there's wonderfully shot racing in that movie. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't, racing in that movie. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know what he's talking about, but, uh, and also I guess in Hollywood, somewhere in California, his apartment was over James Garner's at the time. So at night he would go out on his balcony and piss in James Garner's like flower bed. And he'd say, <laughs> you pissed on my movie. So I'm going to piss on you. <laughs> what, a, what a petty motherfucker. I, I was like, what, what an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> I kind of love it though. That's great. <laughs> so yeah, Steve McQueen's character, if you think about it, kind of won he beat his rival uh i think that's what he really cared about in the, in the end 
I mean, obviously, he loves racing no matter what, and he wants to be in that hide, like how yeah. he was. He's just uh, waiting uh, now. Well, if I recall, too, like, tell me if I'm wrong about this. In a lot of these endurance races, again, if you're doing team-based, it's not necessarily all about who wins the race, too. Like, that plays a big factor. But if if you win, it's one thing. But isn't it also point-based? Like, I think that was part of the thing. That's why he wanted the other guy to switch out. Because if, let's say, at the point in time they have McQueen catch up, it's like, okay, you can catch up and clearly catch up to win. However, let's say they finish and the other guy doesn't break down and, he, and the Ferrari does finish first, but then Porsche finishes second, third, and the other guy doesn't finish fourth or something else. Like, they could technically still win overall. Or am I wrong on that? Sort of. I don't know if endurance okay. racing does constructors cup what you just described is called uh like the constructor trophy in formula Mm -hmm. one if one if um if a red bull driver gets first but ferrari gets second and third then Mm -hmm. the driver for red bull gets the driver's trophy but right ferrari would get the constructors and in endurance racing i don't think they do that Okay. Okay. I wasn't sure. And that's actually, I'm glad that you were able to clarify because I wonder how much of that mattered too, because again, thinking of it like a team-based thing, it's like, it's it, I'm analogy to football. It's like, it's great if the quarterback throws four touchdowns in a game, still, but if they don't win, the team doesn't win. You know, it, it is still matter. a team-based thing. And there's, it depends partially on what the drivers are getting paid. Some of them aren't getting paid squat. Some of them are just driving to maybe win and get and, – and again, this 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 boggles my mind to think about. And the, both movies really play up the fact that, oh, men just want to race. They just they, – they want to – this is everything to them. They're just they waiting for the money. Yeah, yeah, but um, in 1971, the year that this Le Mans is supposed to dramatize, the winner of the entire thing – got the equivalent of $13,000. Like you yeah. would think it like, and again, that's seventies money. And I'm not going to bulk it. Like, you know, if I got $13,000 today, that would solve a lot of my problems, but it's not right. like an amazing amount. Like nowadays, um, formula one drivers, the, the cheap, you know, the cheapest formula one driver gets paid, I think $2 million a year. And that's before like, you know, endorsements and stuff like that. Sponsorships. And uh, endurance racers, they don't make as much as that, but they still make a fair amount. And if you win Le Mans, you get a lot more money than that. So, so for what, sorry, for what it's worth, set $13,000 in 1971 was the equivalent of $96,900 and some change in 2023. Yeah. I mean, it's so, a fair amount, but. It, but like, I mean, people now make millions, right? Like. Yes. It's it's astronomically different, right? And again, just to remind you, like Le Mans this year and last year, and for the last couple of decades, no one died. In the seventies, people were dying every year, and not necessarily just drivers. Like I'm still stuck on the idea that like this is also something that as a spectator you would go and either go for free or, or pay to go, knowing that by the way you might die or lose Actually, a limb. Also, I misspoke this. I think someone died in twenty. 14 or 15 but whatever but still it's it's crazy right yeah. uh but yeah sports also have just changed dramatically across the board like we're talking about like in the 70s you could make a decent living if you knew how to manage your money but you weren't like as a even as a, a nfl player or an nba player like unless you were literally the top level and you were getting all the endorsements for things you weren't 
making ridiculous amounts of money, but you could take care of your family. You can definitely have a good life. Yeah. Like you're not gonna you're not gonna hurt for anything, but unless you're just really stupid with your money. I mean, that just like skyrocketed in the eighties and nineties. I mean, now you're you're talking about uh, like life ruining money given to certain players in different sports. Um, and I say that just because like they get so much money they don't know what to do with it, and then they they actually ruin their own lives. But uh, same thing with drivers, I would imagine. I don't know for sure, but at, at stock car racing, at least, like if you, once you start out, outside of just being a rookie, like you're making pretty legit money if you're if you're actually racing in in um, a higher series. Um, I imagine it's similar in F1, or is it like you said now? Like, are are some still just trying to drive for the opportunity to then win and then make it big, or is it? No, is they, it still they're, like they're that? All making millions. Okay, that's what I thought. I was like, I'm pretty yeah, sure like, even the worst, now. most underpaid driver in Formula One makes. I think it's either one or two million a year. Like even the rookies, even Logan Sargent made like two million dollars. I picked the wrong career. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I I don't think it's easy to just become a Formula One driver. Listen, I I was S class on Gran Turismo. I'm just saying. No. <laughs> that, that's like you basically got your super license. Yeah. And- yeah. <laughs> And I, I'm pretty sure, like, obviously, racers and what it says in this movie about, the, you know, the high of, you know, going fast and stuff. But just in general, men love to be competitive. Uh, so, like, when I played fucking video games, uh, clan matches were a thing where, where we were just fighting for a J- JPEG trophy. <laughs> and and when we would win those JPEG trophies uh, on TeamCompete.com, when that was one of the clan match uh, websites out there, we used to like put that in the message boards on our little fucking uh, info area of who we are. Like, oh, this is our team, and we won this amount of JPEG trophies. So I just think, for the love of the game, people love being competitive. So sometimes it's not always about the money. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, I think it just all depends on what you do. I mean, and myself, like it's probably known just by nature of what I, I i will turn anything into a competition like and that's probably for better or for worse like, i probably lost friends for that reason because it's like i don't want to hang out with him he'll try to turn anything into a game and it's not like that i'm trying to like outdo anybody or anything better i probably suck at something but i would try to turn it into that because i just love the competitive nature of things mm-hmm. um, so it to me totally makes sense it clicks to me that someone would race with nothing else on the line other than pride yeah they just like that's what they want to do yeah yeah i get that yeah other than that, I don't like. I love how this movie was shot. Um, there is certain times where I'm just like, it looked like this could have been like a plot area, and then they're just like, here's the carnival. Here's people oh, having you. fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Supposedly they shot like a million miles of film for this movie or something, but it's like all just incidental racetrack stuff. They built they built some really wicked looking camera cars. Like you think, oh, they made a camera car, so they just like strapped cameras to a car. And that's what they did for like the inside shots. But they actually took a Porsche um 939. I think that one that's got like the open top that just has like the guy's head poking out of it with a roll cage. But uh, they took one of those and like built cameras into it and then made a fiberglass shell to keep it aerodynamic so it could still drive as fast and the cameras are like tucked inside. It looks really cool. 
Oh, that's that's kind of neat. I will say there were a few bits where like they got really crazy with some of the camera shots, and they like kept editing and cutting back so many times. Like there was that one where they kept doing the repeat shot of them going around the slope, and when they would do that, it like kept showing like, four or five times where it would do it. Mm-hmm. And I swear I thought Stone Cold's glass was gonna break because I was like, "Is this? Did Kevin Dunn edit this? What the fuck's happening?" But then <laughs> I moved on past that. I was like, "Okay, it's fine." But th- there were a few that were like, "Okay, that's a little much." The, was, the one thing, the one edit I just. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. The edit that I despise is after he wrecks, they showed again in slow motion. It's like I know I just saw this. <laughs> yeah, that was, I think that may be at the time, right? Like that is that that has to be it. They're just trying to show you, like, look how fucked this crash is. And it is, but yeah, but I, I saw it the first time. It looked just as bad. Yeah, no, I get the, it. The guy coming out of the car before it explodes, like. How yeah, is edited? It's that weird. seemed like Hollywood bullshit to me, but I, I don't know. Oh yeah, yeah the the um, the one guy that like climbs out and then he he's the one that's like injured, like fucked up all bad. Yeah, yeah that yeah that was bull- total bullshit, right? Like he just gets out of the car and he's like moving and then like slow motion before it blows up. I was like, okay, that's that's total bullshit. Like I watched that, I was like, I bet Steve McQueen like cringed at that. I bet he was pissed they added that. Yeah, movie. I, I wonder about that. I kind of meant to like try to look it up, but like I know that fuel will combust, obviously, but. Mm-hmm. The whole thing just screamed like Hollywood bullshit. So what's funny is the only thing I really knew about this movie was actually about that part, and that's why I thought it was bullshit. That there's a MythBusters about this. Oh really? I, yeah, there's a MythBusters about well cars explode like this because they did the whole Hollywood thing. They did one about that. They did uh, the one about because um, I think it was also like uh, the other trope. Can you can you accidentally blow a car up with a with a cigarette? Because, you know, like you see, like the action movies where someone like throws a, a cigarette back and they blow up like a gas station or something ridiculous. Oh, sure, yeah. Like it technically couldn't happen. Like they like went over how like impossible it was. And um, it, it was just kind of the same thing. Like, can you shoot something with a bullet and will it do that? Like mm-hmm. it, it was stuff like that. Like, can they make and they proved it's all just Hollywood bullshit. Yeah. So I, I thought that was kind of neat that this I remember this movie being tied into that. But uh and then I saw it. I was like, oh, yeah, that's total horse shit. Uh, like, the guy just walks off and, like, knows it's going to explode. Um, and then, meanwhile, Steve McQueen just chills in his car and then gets out. Like, well, it's like, that, that wreck is just as likely. It doesn't matter that it flipped over. Uh, well, he had his little PTSD moment where he's just like. Yeah. Then he gets out. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I, I Like, at this point, when I see that type of stuff, uh, it maybe it's just the gamer in me. But I'm just waiting for, like, the color of smoke to change, like, in GTA. <laughs> like I need it to turn red. Oh, yeah, it's 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 gonna blow up. Yeah. oh shit! He got two stars. The cops are coming. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, I am. I, I, what I'm gonna do probably after this podcast is go check a trailer of this movie because I guarantee you the trailer is pro- probably all the plot points, which is the whole movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because because I imagine like you can't make a trailer of just like atmosphere of of a race event. I'll bet you people walked out of this movie in 1971. I can see that. This movie is this definitely feels like it's a divisive film, to say the least. Like that's definitely a good a good way to describe it. Actually, yeah. I let's let's put that in memory bank right there. That, that word, divisive. I think it'd be a great category down the down the road for us to just pick like famous divisive films to watch, good or bad. I'd love mm-hmm. to do that because we'll finally have some debate instead of agreeing on most of them. <laughs> uh. But yeah, yeah I, so I, it sounds like I know what the what everyone's gonna say, but like, just go around and like, do you recommend it? I I recommend this movie big time. I think it's a work of art. 
Okay. I would recommend this movie to anyone that I know that is a fan of racing. I would lightly recommend it to just a general person because I still think someone could get something out of it. I think I think like you said I think there's an art and aesthetic to this movie that's really good. I still really enjoyed it, but I definitely know a few people that I could just tell, "Hey, watch this movie." Like they would hate it. Mm-hmm. So, I know it's not for everyone. But that said, I would still recommend it the most just to try because it is a great film. All right, I'm going to give Zach's thoughts on uh Oh yeah. Uh, Lemons oh, yeah. as he put it sit in the dock. Uh this movie has some moods in it and great camera work and racing. But little else, in my opinion, if you think if I think if you're a big Steve McQueen fan or a big fan of motorsports, you'll get more enjoyment from this movie uh, film. Uh, if you're neither of these, I can see someone's considering this to be a dull movie. However, my exposure to Steve McQueen is minimal. I've only seen the Magnificent Seven and no other movies he's been in yet. So I can't say I'm a big fan but certainly sounds like an interesting guy, which Andy brought up before he is. Uh, and I could see why he was cool. So all I had to go on was my love for motorsport and good camera work. All that being said, I feel almost as if there's not much McQueen's McQueenness in this movie. His presence feels very subdued. Uh, there's almost no dialogue or story to this. And I feel uh, it was a missed opportunity. I kind of wonder how the movie would have turned out if uh, John Sturges, the original director, slotted for this stayed on, uh, and how much McQueen's loss of creative control, so to speak, affected the movie. I can't say I recommend this one. Can't say that I don't either. Thumbs middle. He gave him the bar. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Interesting. Me, uh... I'm I'm kind of with you, Chaz. Like, I recommend it, and I will recommend it to people who like racing. Or I might show them, you know, racing stuff before we get into this movie, just so that they have enough interest uh, to watch it. But if someone's like, I want to watch a movie, I probably wouldn't rec- this, recommend this movie because yeah, I guess not. I guarantee a lot of people are gonna be like, "Where's the dialogue?" <laughs> just how I was earlier before where it's like 40 minutes of nothing uh and i i get it I, I like like i said parts of this movie are big time indefensible i i think you're right though it has like that that a24 i like a uh, criterion should release this movie i think yeah mm-hmm. the the director's cut extended edition <laughs> get, john, get, <laughs> yeah, this... the, get john sturges back from the grave and have him recut it the John Sturges cut. Bring it back. <laughs> no, All right. I'll just release it as is. Get as much bonus footage as you can and include Man and Lamont as uh, a bonus feature. Like just all of that on Ooh, one thing. That's, that's a good idea. Yeah. Because like there's hours and hours and hours of extra footage and the documentary implies that like it's been found or something and they use some of it. Yeah. I would, I would as much as I really want to talk about it. Um, I think it would be best. You tell me if you disagree or not. I think it'd be best to save our discussion in, uh, on comparing this and Grand Prix more for uh, when we actually rank them. Yeah. Like, to me, I think that would be good because I think I, yeah, that's I mean, I mean be people have been having that conversation since 1971 anyway. But yeah, we're gonna have it. In... Right. I just don't want to have it now, and then I potentially want to save it because I'd like Zach to be involved too. Because uh, I think that'll be implied, kind of how I feel about it a little bit. But yeah, next week we're gonna watch something completely different. Um, I. 
the, the genesis of this was I wanted to choose only Formula One movies, but there's just not enough great ones. And besides, I wanted you guys to watch Le Mans anyway, because I really like this movie. But uh, next week, we're watching another movie I've never seen before. The Last American Hero. Uh, Jeff Bridges stars in it, and it's the semi-fictionalized depiction of a famous uh, stock car racer who becomes a famous NASCAR racer in the 70s, whose name I can't remember. But Zach knew it. He's not here. So God damn it. (laughs) Yeah, go watch that. We're going to be back next week. And then the week after that, we're going to rank them all. So I, I will say, I will say, I love the fact that uh, you seem to pick your, your movie themes similar to mine in that you really just want to watch one movie and you're like, can I build something around this? Cause that's every time I've done one, it's like, I really want to watch this movie, <laughs> but I, I want a well, reason a to the- let's build a whole thing around it. <laughs> As time has gone on, I try to make sure I'm choosing movies I've never seen before. Like that that's that's what this is to me. Is it it's a big giant experiment to broaden your film watching horizons. So Oh fuck, Gary Busey's in this movie. Fuck yeah. Really? Awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness, yeah. Elroy Jackson, is that the, the guy you were Jeff Bridges I don't plays? No. We'll, well find Elroy out Jackson, next week. Elroy Jackson Jr. is who, who Jeff Bridges plays. I, I'm gonna look this up and see who this is about now. But we'll talk right. about it next week. I, All right, I won't so... spoil it. We're going to do host credit scene, but before we get into that, uh, here's a little ad. Wrestling nerds, wrestling weebs, wrestling fans. If you're looking for a different kind of podcast, one that goes over actual big wrestling news, I mean real stories, not somebody getting divorced or baseless rumors or whatnot, and get some color, we got that. We also do reviews of wrestling from the past, but sometimes we also do wrestling from the modern day too, if it's something that interests us at the time. Other than that, I would say the main attraction is just three guys who have been lifelong wrestling fans doing what wrestling fans do. Cutting up, cracking jokes, and just enjoying the entertainment wrestling can provide. However that comes. If you want to catch Getting Some Color, you can catch it bi-weekly on Thursdays, 10 p.m. Eastern, usually. 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 Uh, yeah, so hoax credit scene is where we talk about what the hell we've been watching, playing, or doing. Uh, we're gonna go counterclockwise, and Chaz, you're up first, buddy. Sweet, sweet. So, um, yeah, not a ton. Uh, look at this one out of the way. I watched my my poor Dallas Cowboys get massacred on on Sunday. That was <laughs> that was an absolute shit show. I to be fair, I was working, so I kept coming back and just seeing how much worse it got. I was like, "What the fuck's happening?" Um, but yeah, if if Jerry, if you're listening, uh, I have zero coaching experience, but I don't know if that's what actually matters. So if you're looking, I I have an experiment for you. You hire me, and you don't have to pay me anything. And if I do better than your other coach, then you pay me more than any head coach in history. Just saying, it's it's a win win. I think we can make a reality show out of it. That's my plug. All right, I'll move on. Uh, I think they should just fire everyone. I I cannot believe how bad that game went. Um, anyway, uh, for other stuff I watched, uh, I think Andy and I were talking at the beginning, and I think I brought the show up just before we went on our, our brief break there, our Christmas time. Uh, I there's a show, show that's out now on Hulu called Unlock Undead. It's a new anime that's that's on. It's been interesting. I've been watching it, uh, and I caught up on some episodes. And it's, I don't know, it's your standard anime nonsense, but it's been kind of fun. Um, I've just been watching it as each episode comes out. Um, 
uh, started just to have another that's playing in the background. So after I finished watching Cowboy Bebop, I decided to to go back to Trigun and watch it. And I'm about halfway through. I will say this about uh, Cowboy Bebop overall is I prefer it over Trigun. Trigun's still great. The preacher in Trigun is one of my favorite characters in all of anime. I don't know why. Like, it's something about weird about his aesthetic, about the giant massive cross that he has that has all the guns. I don't know the mystery of it about him. I, I love that character. It's so, so ridiculous. Um, I uh, haven't watched a whole lot else uh, other than just like just default nonsense with my, my kid. But I don't know if you guys want to hear about Peppa Pig takes a cruise. Um, I've watched it like 30 times. I couldn't possibly listen to it again. <laughs> uh, as far as video games, um I yeah finished with Pokemon Red and I uh, was like you know what I want to play another game and do something so I fired up Pokemon Soul Silver and I'm now playing back through that which is a blast uh pretty pretty early on I think I've gotten I've just gotten one badge I'm not very far um and uh, I'm not really doing anything specific for this one I'm just kind of playing through I'm just gonna do like a standard Nuzlocke and I'll figure out what I what I get but so far. Uh, Dundee the Totodile is, is leading the way. So if you don't get that, then that's that sucks to be you. Um, he's let's a see. Crocodile. Because he's a crocodile. Thank you. Uh, I was just going to leave it for anyone who's listening, and they're like, that's, that's a stupid name for a Pokemon. But uh, I played a little more Dead Cells. I finally beat Dracula uh, in the game, which what a son of a bitch he was to fight in the second form. Um, the trophies for that game are still really funny, though. When you you beat the first form, I think I told you all about the the trophy that comes up when you beat the first form, and the second form comes up, and it's like the giant monstrous form that's classic for those games. Uh, and uh, the trophy when you beat him, and it's like, and finally, laid to rest or some non or see you in a hundred years. I think was the whole trophy name. Uh, yeah, so it, it was kind of neat. Um, but that actually caused me to have the itch, and then another friend of mine who recently got. Uh, a Steam Deck and has like the emulators. Uh, he is playing through Castlevania Symphony of the Night for the very first time, and it's like watching a child learn how to walk because he does not play Metroidvanias at all. And like talking him through it has just been amazing to the point that I decided last night, you know what? I haven't played that game in a while, so I'm doing a speed run, uh, and I have already finished 100% on the regular castle side and I'm like 20% into the inverse castle and I'm still under three hours, which again, I'm trying not to do it with any glitches. I'm doing a 200% run, but, uh, but yeah, I, sh- I sent a clip to him of me using the ax armor to kill one of the bosses in like two seconds. And he's like, the, the fuck happened? Why did you get that? And, you know, he's like all mad about it. He's like, I don't know. Like I didn't consent to what that boss did to me. Uh, so it was kind of funny. Um, but I'm glad he's discovering that game because it's it's probably in my top three all-time games, if not number one. Uh, I unfortunately uh, was able to try Spider-Man and the Sinister Six for the Game Gear. Uh, I got my Game Gear adapter for my my uh, analog pocket, uh, as you can see here. Uh, I guess I'll show the, the front side of it. Yeah, it's fun times. This is audio only. Oh, yeah, I'm showing it for you guys. It's for you. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I think I do this for the fans. Fuck those fans. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, please keep listening. Uh, but uh, yeah, that game sucks ass. Uh, 
<laughs> I don't think I've ever played a game that was chunkier. There's like a full one second delay between the punch button and when it actually punches. It is god awful. Um, I yeah, it was like almost unbearable to play. So uh, I need to get more Game Gear games to justify the purchase. So I'm gonna have to get Sonic and Collins and some other good ones. Um, let's see. The only other thing, uh, which I've, I think I shared with you guys, I, maybe not dubs, uh, but uh, I did manage to finally get the Holy Grail, um, and uh, I had now have a first edition Charizard, a first edition Blastoise, and a first edition Venusaur. I feel very. Oh. Yeah, I saw you buy the Charizard. Uh, you told told us about it in the chat. Yeah, I think I think I mentioned it in chat, and I had it, but I actually physically have him now. Like I like it's just like to hold it. And it's like oh my god, it's crazy. Like I can trade this legit? for a car. What is it? Is it legit? Oh, it's one hundred percent legit. It came in a slab. Hold on, let me see if I can go and grab it. Where did I put the the binder? Oh, it's right here. Um, but yeah, the pricing is kind of wild. But I mean, I this one was a grade eight, which I'm I'm a, an absolute savage, and I cracked it out of the slab because that's what I do. But yeah, wow. this is yeah. He's showing us the Charizard. Uh, yeah, card right now. Yeah, so nice. you see, it's real. It's a shadow. It's a shadowless, as as you can see right here. It doesn't mm -hmm. have the border on the the right. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think standard just raw. Like if as it was graded, I got it for about half the price because I got it in an auction. But I mean, it's this usually sell for anywhere between like twelve to fifteen thousand. Jesus so, Christ, man! Like <laughs> it, it's amazing right. how how things are graded and stuff, and how things are worth. It's like it, it sounds silly because like I love Pokemon cards, and but like just a random person thinking about this, like people that don't care about Pokemon, are like. This card is fifteen thousand dollars, <laughs> just like comic books and all that stuff. Oh yeah, and that's a card that, like, it, again, it's in really good shape. Like, the only defect it has at all is like the smallest little nick at the top on the backside. The front is pristine. So, if it weren't for that, it would grade higher. And like, that's a thing over time. Like, they're more lenient with grading. So, I could probably turn this in at some point, pay whatever the, the crazy fee would be, and get this graded. It could be a nine, and that jumps it up to like thirty thousand. But I don't want to get it graded because something grading stupid. I just have it for my collection, and and, and that's how people think that's blasphemy. But hey, whatever. Like I'm gonna hold on to these for another thirty years, and then we'll see what they're worth. Then probably nothing, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that'll, that'll be my luck. It's like they're worth nothing, but uh, it's okay. I just think the grading is just like a penis fucking size contest. Like be like I got this, and and it's this grade and all this. So I understand it's probably like when you have it worth and all that stuff in condition, like I get that, but there, there's a lot of people that do it just the sake of doing it. And it's like, uh, stop it. You don't need well, to That's do the it. problem. It's got, it turned more into like a rat race. Like they're, they're now like grading everything. Like the, like grading companies will take anything now. Like they, they will grade literally anything and it's kind of silly, but like in defense of it, a lot of it comes from the fact that it is a way to make sure that it's authentic because there's so many ways to counterfeit. That's why Pokemon, it's it's kind of like a legit thing because um, not that I keep them. Like I only have one graded card that I've kept graded. I usually crack the slabs because half the time, if you buy them at the right price, they're worth less in the slab than they are if you break them out and they're ungraded. That said, I kept the one that I opened at Nationals last year because it just means something to me. I'm never going to sell that. I'm going to keep it forever, right? So uh, that's just a neat thing. That said, um, like there's so many fakes and it's very difficult to tell a counterfeit now. Um, so it's a way to legitimize the authenticity of the card. 
Um, but again, to a point, it's it becomes this ridiculous status symbol. Like, and it's so silly. Like, the difference between, like, for those that don't know about the cards, like, for a card to be, like, considered near mint or in good condition, that is a seven. Like, so to have a card, like, you would consider, like, wonderful, like, that they may grade it a seven or higher, but seven is where that would fall to, and anything below is, like, if it's lightly played or has defects, and then for it to be considered, like, the pristine, like, ten mint card... Um, it's almost impossible to like open one and it be like that, but that's what everyone chases and wants to have. And that's the one that's like the $300,000 Charizard or some nonsense. And it, it is silly how those things get out of hand. Um, but like there, it's not just that anymore. Like video games are like that comic books, like you'd said. Um, and I, again, trading cards, no matter what flavor or shell you look at, they're silly. Like it is ridiculous what people will pay to have some of these things. Uh, but I guess it's whatever's important to you. So, but uh, yeah, that said, I'll, I'll get off my, my little soapbox there. Um, it's, it's cool. I basically, I did all these random other things and then I completed a childhood dream. Uh, so I only have five more to get the complete set in the original set first edition. So, and I got the expensive ones. So I'm not that far off. Pretty close. Nice. So that's, that's all it. I got. All right. That's all I got. Andy, you're up. Um, I played and beat Ace Combat 2. Uh, that came super fun, and uh, the soundtrack is like top 20 of all time for me. The soundtrack to Ace Combat 2 fucking rips, it's great, but also the game's super fun, and I highly recommend it. It's it's real short and real affordable. Like, you know, if you, if you like older games at all, pick up Ace Combat 2, it costs like nothing. Um, I played some PlayStation VR stuff for the first time in a long time, but it's just old stuff I've played before. Uh, Gun Club VR, Beat Saber, and Super Hot. Just those are my three go-tos. I really like to play all those games. I really want, um, like, I can't justify it because of how expensive it is, but I really want a Meta Quest Three, like the newest crazy I would wait. thing. But... I, I would, I, I would wait until like it markets out more uh and they build more i mean like so i can't i'm not gonna get yeah. one now i'm just saying like they're yeah. they're neat and i want one i like that it has the augmented reality as well as the virtual reality stuff but also there's mm. some games on it that i would kind of like to play but um uh let's see uh and i started fantasy star one for the master system i'm playing it on the switch though and it's really fun so far i'm a few hours in uh, i'm building a spaceship i'm looking for a robot to pilot my spaceship if that means anything to anyone <laughs> Uh, and then, um, well, like I said, I watched Steve McQueen, the man of Lamont, but we already talked about that. And I've been watching, uh, awesome games done quick. It started on Sunday and it's been pretty cool so far. I, I was like, watched it. I've talked about it before during summer games done quick and other awesome games done quick. I just, I like watching it. The problem is yeah, I keep getting pissed off because, um, I've realized the most important part of it is the couch. It's whoever's sitting there with the speedrunner, and a lot, the really good speedrunners will tell you what they're doing while they're doing it. But sometimes they're like, you know, they got to be in the zone, or they got to be counting something, or they got to be paying attention, and they've got to have someone with them that is kind of explaining what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And if that guy is really knowledgeable, it's an incredibly good watch. It's really fun to watch. But every once in a while, you'll get it, and they're just like cracking jokes or like saying annoying stuff. Yeah, like around. They're and I'm like, I could hit random on Twitch and get this experience. Like, this sucks. I'm not, I don't really want, and I understand like not every viewer is the same, but as far as I'm concerned, I'm there to see someone who's at like the top of their game 
tear a game inside out. That's what I want to see. I want to know how it's done and why I'll never be able to do it because I don't have the patience. Like it's it's really exciting to watch. Like I watched um someone beat Ultimate Doom in like 22 minutes. And it was really cool. And they kept explaining like, well, you see, the reason this works is because when Doom is looking at where you're going to be, it lets you um, it lets you grab items from on top of a tile. And then Doom does a check to see if you're allowed to be on that tile so they can like take keys through walls by running into the wall really hard several times. And like eventually Doom will accidentally be like, okay, you got the key. Whoa, 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 you're not allowed to be here, but you already got the key. And like they explain those tricks and stuff. That's why I really like it. But Mm -hmm. then sometimes they're just sitting there like, you know, making furry jokes or whatever. Like, oh, this sucks. I don't watch something else. Well, I I know (laughs) recently they started asking the speedrunner who they want on the couch because they used to do random. Yeah, that sucked hard. Like, yeah, Yeah. no, now they choose their couch and it it, it helped a lot. I've only I've I've only had like one really terrible one. I was trying to watch. I can't remember what the game was, but I can't remember what it was. Mm hmm. But yeah, you're right. It, they'll be like, this is my buddy so-and-so. We both speed run this game. Uh, we run a Discord server about it. You can join it. And, you know, like, th- that works really well. Yeah, because there's an infam- infamous moment. I forgot the speedrunner, but I just remember uh, the moment. Uh, where he... I'm trying to remember his name, too. I know what you're talking about. Because yeah, he's like, can you please be quiet? It's like... Not Pixel. No, it's something dumb. I, I sent you a documentary or a documentary, a, a video about the guy once. It's very, very hilarious. Yeah, it, it, the dude was like memeing and he was talking too much. And then. But yeah, that kind of stuff like ruins it for me. But that was back yeah. in like 2014 or something like that was a while ago. Mm. Yeah, I, it's cool. I There's some things where I'm just like, I, that's cool. There's a Metal Gear Solid speed run that uh, a chick usually does. I forgot her name, too. Uh yeah, I like that and Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider is like my favorite speed. They did Tomb Raider yesterday, I think. Yeah, it's insane how they do Tomb Raider and, and games done quick. So yeah, today they were doing um a Starfield speed run. I missed it because I was at work. But Starfield, part of, uh, part of part of me wanted to see it because I know it's going to be like broken as hell because it's a Bethesda game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I didn't get to see it. You can all you can watch the replays, of course. But I don't. Part it's not as fun. <laughs> sure. Yeah. But no, I've been having fun with it. By the time our listeners hear this, it will be long over, obviously. But I, I still think you guys should check it out. Like, they, look at the schedule and find a game that you're interested in watching. So, watch someone, like I said, like tear it inside out and explain how they're doing it. It's, it's so entertaining. Mm-hmm. I, I remember I, not watching that directly, but watching someone, as someone who, like, you know, prides himself on at, without side of, like, being able to do, like, some ridiculous stuff. Like, I'm, I can be pretty quick on playing a game. Watching someone shred and just, like, tear apart and dismantle a game like Elden Ring is absolutely nuts to me. Like, One with, year. like, the most basic type of thing, like the stomp. <laughs> like, yeah. they'll use the stomp power and just take a boss down that way. And I'm like, what the fuck happened? Why'd you do that? Either the year uh, before Elden Ring or the year before that, during Awesome Games Done Quick, they had someone beat Sekiro blindfolded. Yeah, like, like shit that like that. Shit. Like that's yeah, so cool. yeah. Or the guy that was like, "I'll just do a run through Bloodborne or Dark Souls with a banana." Wait, huh? You mean a banana controller? No, no, a banana. Like I'm gonna make the banana into a controller, and then I'm gonna beat it with a banana. <laughs> like just ridiculous stuff. It's just like, how do people do that? Well, um, I, watch a, I watch a streamer who plays fucking games with a DDR map. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you know the the controller thing on the floor. 
yeah, yeah, I've seen that. I've seen people play. I've, uh, a lot of the ones I've watched because they were like for humor, like were Dark Souls runs or like Dark Souls based games. Um, but uh, and they're like they're playing with like ridiculous controllers, like the one with the guy that was playing uh, what the, the the Donkey Kong bongos. Like mm. I've seen that. I've seen someone play uh, through Hollow Knight, the, the Metroidvania. They played through that with a guitar. With a guitar hero guitar <laughs> like just silly stuff like that and it's like but it's kind of neat to think too like this person's actually playing through like a really like well-known difficult game and they're beating it with the power of rock and roll <laughs> like they're, they're actually doing it with like something silly so like kudos to those people who learn those types of tricks but yeah I've, um i'm definitely gonna have to look that up and, and see what's available over uh the next bit just because i'll get a little downtime or something at work I'll, I'll pop that on and watch and just have my mind blown that's what I've been doing. I put it on like during my lunch break or in the morning. Uh, oh, uh, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night starts here in like 15 minutes. <laughs> oh, sweet. So that's a game I just recently played through. Exactly. Beat. So yeah, it'll be fresh in your mind. Yeah, that'd be great to go see. Yeah. Resident Evil 2 remake happens tonight. Diablo, <laughs> Paper Mario, The Thousand Year Door. They're oh just, yeah, that's... they're just playing your tunes, man. <laughs> oh my god! So Paper Paper Mario, I I don't even know. Like that game is infamously like it takes so fucking long to get through that game. I would love to see someone just shred that game. Yeah, the, uh, the guy that that Dubs was just trying to remember the name of that I also can't remember the name of. You know, he was like really cringy and stuff on the couch at uh, Awesome Games on a Quick. His uh-huh. other claim to fame is that he cheated speed running Paper Mario: The Thousand Year Door. How, how's that for a second? Uh, oh, that that is. That, oh, that's that's interesting. Yeah. Damn. Oh, they're going to do Goof Troop in the morning, too. I want to watch that. <laughs> Goof Troop. What, for, for Genesis? Uh, yeah. Well, or SNES. Uh, SNES. SNES. They're doing the SNES one. Okay. Louie, the video game? Okay, whatever. But yeah, Super Mario Brothers 2, Monkey Island 1 and 2, Metroid Dread, Pokemon Crystal, Mario & Luigi Superstar Saga. That's a game I just beat a couple months ago. I'm not sure yeah, I would. The Metroid oh, Dread. Metroid Dread seems interesting. Pokemon Crystal seems interesting. Like, mm-hmm. all kinds of good stuff. Yeah, like oh. you said. Ooh, Dune 2016 is tomorrow as well. Okay, sorry, I'll stop. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you listening to us? Go and watch this. It sounds so cool. <laughs> Over by the time they are hearing us. <laughs> oh, shit, no. You missed so much. Why are you listening? What a loser. <laughs> watch, watch the replay. Yeah. Yeah. That's my joke. I'm going to make all four of our fans stop listening. Sneak <laughs> <laughs> King is going. He's coming up too. <laughs> <laughs> the Burger King Xbox game. It's at, it's at 1.50 in the morning tomorrow. <laughs> like, it's like we're staying up, boys. <laughs> oh, that's okay. fantastic. All right, Nubs, are... what did you watch and play and have fun doing? Uh, just uh, Do you guys remember that Doritos fucking game for the 360 where you're the dinosaur and stuff? Do you guys remember Vaguely. that? Yeah, I yeah. think I downloaded it just so I could get gamer points. Yeah, yeah same. I wonder if that's in fucking uh, games done quick. <laughs> There's a Maybe. speed run for that. Uh, but yeah, um, I started playing Overwatch too, um, because one of the the streamer friends that I uh, follow was like, "Hey, come on and try this," and I I tried it. I suck ass, bro. Ah. <laughs> um, I'm giving you hands. I want you to know this. Like a couple months I ago, I wanted to play it. You wouldn't play it with me. Nobody played with me. I played by myself. It was miserable. Now we can play it because I, I play it now. Um, uh, I, I, well, never mind. Or you can say Andy. I was gonna say you. You guys never link up to do anything off the show. Yeah, dang, this is. Yeah, I, yeah, you I say bet that'll I, happen, but it won't. I I wanted to. I still want to play Gears Five with you guys. I I'm ready. I've downloaded it. I'm just waiting for you guys to tell me when. 
Well, he still, he still needs to get through yeah, four. Yeah, I told you, it for... would be, like, way later. Yeah. Uh, well, it's there. I'll, I'll just... <laughs> Maybe I'll cancel Game Pass and, and buy it again whenever you're ready. Because <laughs> I'm not <laughs> using it for anything else. Yeah, um, so I've been playing that. Uh, obviously, I play NHL um, because, I don't know, I got to do all my grinding on there to get coins and get the cards. And, I, you know, I'm in the ecosystem, I guess. Whatever. Uh, fuck these people that play the game because they're trash. And they always <laughs> do cross-crease fucking goals. And they like to do the glitch goals. And I hope that they're cereal is soggy in the next morning. So, fuck them. Um... <laughs> That's a great insult. Like, I hope your cereal's soggy. Yeah. But and here's what you don't get. It jokes on them. They like their cereal soggy. They're, they're psychos. Like, they probably like pineapple on pizza, too. Fucking weirdos. Uh, but anyway. I feel, I feel personally attacked. Do you like pineapple on pizza? That's a war crime. That's all it, right. Yeah. Like, it's not like, I like other pizza, but pineapple on pizza's fine. I tried it once because it was at a party that I was at, and I, like, I didn't be like, Hey, this is bitch pizza. I ate it, but I wasn't happy about it. <laughs> so. Like I keep, I keep derailing everything. Sorry, I, but I will say this: in the eventual, like, future of time that I eventually get to host or, or do a show about tier lists, if we ever do one about pizza toppings, there will be a great argument about where pineapple goes because it will not be at the bottom. Just saying, we'll have to figure out where it goes though. But everyone's going to argue. We're going to get, we're going to get a lot of viewers on that one. They're going to be like. Fuck that, because either people are going to defend it and put it, like, top, or people are going to be like, no, it doesn't even deserve to be on this list. Would you say it's oh. mid? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Solid C tier. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> uh, movies. Uh, I watch Equalizer 3. Um, Denzel's great in those Equalizer movies. Uh, it's like John Wick, but Denzel Washington and Denzel Washington's a better actor than Keanu Reeves, uh, hands Damn down. Right he is. Uh, and uh, it's in Italy, uh, so you're dealing with the fucking mob and shit, and it's the action's cool. I watched it with my dad, and then I watched because uh, we were on like a Netflix thing, and um, Hunter Killer came up. I love submarine movies, so like. Hunter Killer was on there. I'm like, that looks kind of cool. Who's in it? Gerald Butler's in it. And I'm just like, I like anything Gerald Butler's in. He, he's he's cool in action movies and stuff. Uh, himself. Yeah, so that movie was just like, there was a coup happening in Russia uh, where the, the Russian president got uh, held hostage by the uh, defense ministry in Russia and they were trying to cause World War Three against America so America had to go in there with special ops to capture the Russian president just so he could get his other generals to know that there's a coup happening and to not listen to the defensive ministry uh, orders and all that stuff because they were holding him hostage, saying that the orders were coming from the president. Uh, and there was like almost a nuclear uh, you know, war happening, and I won't spoil it. It was cool. Uh in the beginning of the movie, like they're in the Arctic and American sub was following a Russian sub, but the Russian sub got fucking uh, torpedoed. And then the, the American uh, submarine got torpedoed and you're just like, what the fuck is happening? And then you find out it's the, the coup that's happening right now and trying to cause that. But 
Yeah, I watched that. Um, I've also been watching a lot of weird NASCAR stuff on YouTube. Oh, really? Me too. Yeah. You watch any slap shoes? I like his stuff. Yeah, I've been, I watched some of his stuff, and then like I was just going down this path. Like, I think I like NASCAR when you know Dar- Dale Earnhardt was in there, and then uh, Petty, um, and then just older shit like in the '60s and stuff. Well, maybe so, you'll like our movie next week really well. Yeah. So, was, so you're talking like Earnhardt, like when he's like in the Wrangler car. Yeah. 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 Like late '80s. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's fucking crazy. Like that that sport's hardcore. Like it, it's it, it, like people make fun of me like and another left turn and another left turn. I'm like, dude. Oh, people don't realize how watered down NASCAR got. Like NASCAR in the late 90s and early 2000s went through like the Crispin Watt treatment that <laughs> that wrestling went through. I hate saying it that way like but like late 80s early I mean even before that it's like that too, but like even like late 80s early 90s NASCAR goes fucking hard they do not give a fuck they will they will wreck the shit out of each other like there is a really like uh what's his name um oh shit i can't remember his last name a rusty uh rusty wallace thank you rusty wallace uh in the number two car i remember as a kid seeing this and then like i've seen clips of it after he had a nightmarish wreck. Like his his car got torch rolled like six or seven times. Like it almost looks like what's in like Talladega Nights. Like it looks like they're like they're paying homage to it because of how bad his wreck was. Uh, and it was like a, a semi intentional wreck. Like just people being very aggressive. So like they just do not give a shit. I mean it, it is it is pretty intense to watch, but uh, it does get that like stigma of all oh, just all left turns or whatever. But um, and then you like watch the road courses, like watching them race at like Watkins Glen or something is really cool too, because it is very different than what the usual is. Uh, but they're aggressive for sure. Yeah. Man, my redneck uh, came out, man. I, I started to get a craving for PBR shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I forgot to mention in this movie, like we talk about the drivers and the, and the, the race itself, but we don't talk about the pit people. Like they're crucial in every uh, racing event possible, because without the pit crew, that driver ain't going nowhere. Like when mm-hmm. the, 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 the kind of backtrack a little bit, like when that guy's suspensions, the rear suspensions was oh, fucking they have to disassemble it because he's got a broken wishbone. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, like, and you, you watch it and like my automatic brain, because everything's hollow, uh, Hollywood eyes and dramatize, like you need to go faster. And they were just like, eh doing everything and i'm like i do it right i guess yeah i can't, I can't recall it our, our chat was that i can't remember if it's a video that zach or andy shared was you guys see the video about like the evolution of the pit crew it was like a video that just showed like yeah. how how much faster they are it's like yeah, if if your pit stop in formula one is longer than 2.2 seconds you're too slow boy yeah like pit like in and in, in, again it's it is different stock car and, and f1 are still different in a lot of ways but like Again, they are insanely fast now. Like it is, it is nuts how efficient they are in a routine pit, like getting everything done and get you out. Um, it is literal seconds. It's crazy, um, but it, every second matters, right? Like you're racing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in the the Netflix series, Andy, the Drive to Survive. Drive to survive. Do they show any like uh, pit stuff? That oh, of is course, cool? yeah. All right, cool. Because I, 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 I've actually. 
I'm not saying less interested, but I'm more interested in pit stuff because I want to see like a reality show just based off of that. Or I don't know, a documentary. Maybe I need to look up documentary about pit crews. Yeah, anyway. I always think I think about pit crews kind of being like again. I always go back to football because that's like my still my number one go to sport. But like your driver's your quarterback, and your pit crew are your linemen. Your quarterback is doesn't mean shit if you don't have a line. So it's the same thing. Like your driver does not matter if your pit crew sucks. Like it does not matter. You can have the best driver in the world. He he's gonna be mid, right? Like unless you actually have a way to like get him at, in and out of the pit efficiently. So it's mm. team sport, even though it doesn't seem like that. So. Yeah. Uh, so after watching that, I uh, watched the next biggest, greatest racing movie ever, Need for Speed. No, I'm kidding. It's not the greatest. Uh, that's the one with Jesse Pinkman. Uh, I forgot the guy's name, uh, but he was in Breaking Bad, and then he did the Need for Speed movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, round, yeah. that's a roundabout uh, tombstone for us because I watched it like six months ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it it it's an okay film. I'm like, it's not the best, but it, like, it does like give nods to the need for speed games but i don't know uh i wasn't interested at all <laughs> about that uh chaz you said you were a cowboy fan right yeah yeah well at the moment yeah yeah uh, yeah i'm a lions fan now it's i i will say this that that actually it is one other thing i did watch i again it's just it's that time of year the detroit lions won their first playoff game in the NFL in 32 years and they were like in the stadium there were like families crying and cheering it was really cool to see that like there was like a family of uh is a mom and dad and their four kids and the mom and dad grew up in Detroit and they never watched their team win a playoff game in their entire lifetime so they got to bring their kids and watch it happen and it's kind of cool and there was another guy that's like had season tickets for 66 years and he got to see it. like it's kind of cool to see things like that so now it's like they're the underdog i want them to win and keep going but yeah. uh but yeah they're going to get shit on the baltimore ravens are going to train wreck everyone now yeah, and i'm okay yeah that's probably true and i'm was- okay with that for similar reasons, I was kind of rooting for the Bills just because they've had like four postseason showings and then they always get like wrecked, like right when they think they're actually going to do something. <laughs> so I thought like, a great similar, bit. Similarly, I was like, it'd be funny if the Bills actually did. Yeah, so my team, like what I want, the, the, the wild card or whatever. Yeah, I want the Lions and Bills to be the Super Bowl, but Ravens are probably going to win it. That said, I saw a really funny bit about, uh, sorry, Dubs, I'm going to get back to you, I promise. Uh, Daniel Tosh does. Let you finish. Daniel Tosh does a a podcast, and and he was talking about the Bills. Uh, He's a a hardcore Dolphins fan, and uh, he was talking about all the teams in that division and how how much he hates them. He was like, you know what? I'm rooting for the Bills because, like, you know, they got into the Super Bowl and lost four times. Like, I really hope they do well. Like, and then he was talking about the the fans. There's a fan base there, this big craze now called the Bills Mafia, and they do this shit like out in their. like in the um, parking lot when they're doing their tailgating where they all like jump off of like tailgates and shit and try to jump through tables like wrestling. And he was showing videos of it. It was like, yeah, people do this. The original intent was to kill themselves because that's how much it fucking sucks to live in Buffalo, New York. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, oh, that's pretty accurate. That's probably sucks. Like how cold it is. But, uh, I just thought it was funny that you brought it up, but it would be cool to see the bills too. Uh, I, both teams are, are fine, but yeah, I don't know how anybody beats Baltimore. Uh, that said, Dubs, what were you going to bring up? Well, I'm going to add on to you uh, talking about the Lions because you forgot one crucial uh, thing to say. They won by one fucking point. 
It did. It, 24 to 23. The, just a they hair. They did win. They did win. <laughs> but, like, at the same time, like, your first ever postseason game uh, win, and it's by one fucking point. So that's big. But it's going to be heart-wrecking when they get fucking pounded by the Ravens. Uh, and just to feed off of you, Andy, um, Buffalo Bills did beat the Steelers, so they're moving on to. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, yeah, they're, they're in the post the the post season again. Is anything going to come of it? I don't know. Yeah, and then obviously I'm happy because the Eagles got fucking wrecked uh, by the Buccaneers. So uh, fuck the Eagles and fuck the, whole... the Eagles. Yeah. Thank you, FTE. That that's the only like solace I had yesterday is the Eagles got shit on and and it was fun to see. But I don't like Pittsburgh either because everyone in, in my family yeah, is like a yeah. diehard Steelers. Everyone fan. in the state likes the Steelers, so when they lost, I was kind of like, Good. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> cannot stand it. Wipe my ass with your terrible towel. That's how I feel about it. But yeah, it was great to see them lose too. But uh but yeah, uh it's still rough though. The Cowboys just got don't totally dismantled. It'll take a while to get over that. But I don't know. I I'm in that football mood. I'm happy to be watching some good playoff stuff. All the games were kind of fun to watch this weekend too. So like mm-hmm. um I also thought it was funny the Bills after they won, they there were like uh fans holding up signs and sending out stuff that said bring it Taylor because they're gonna take on the Chiefs and that's Taylor Swift's boyfriend plays for the Chiefs, oh, right, so they're right, right. so they're like doing that nonsense now. So there's all the memes now. Uh, the Kansas City Swifties, <sighs> the Kansas City Swifties. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, there's one thing like I do because I'm not a big big football fan, but I always love when it's Super Bowl time because when I go to my Wawa, they have like this crazy ass uh, Lay's potato chips fucking display, <laughs> and like. <laughs> I, I, I went I into it. yeah I went into Wawa and literally there's like a fucking goalpost by the doorway and it's huge. <laughs> I'm just like and I'm like there's a fucking my favorite Doritos uh literally on the goalpost where I can't fucking reach where I have to go get help to yeah. get my purple bag Doritos. Oh, uh, oh yeah, the sweet chili. Yeah, yeah, the sweet chili are legit. That's what's up. Yeah, so. I'm hyped for Super Bowl. Um, I don't know who's going to be in it. Uh, it's up in the air right now because there's been upsets, and I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and I know this is like a sports thing that I'm kind of doing here, but I'm sorry. Uh, Bill Belichick fucking retired, but now I'm hearing stories where he's like, he's getting interviewed by the Atlanta Falcons, and he's also getting interviewed by possibly the Cowboys. <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he had a, an interview earlier, I think yesterday, and then he was um, – someone questioned him and asked him about things. And he basically he is wanting to go to interview for jobs where teams are talented, but they have underperformed. Like, if there's not anything that doesn't describe – the Cowboys are, like, the most profitable team. They have, like, the largest salary cap of any team. Like, they are loaded with, with – like, they had, like, nine Pro Bowl – or all team, all pro selections. Like there's no reason that they shouldn't have like at least blazed to the NFC championship. And they dropped a giant egg, like underperforms, like, like not even, and that's not just this year. I mean, goodness, I haven't seen them win since the very first Super Bowl I can remember, which was in 95. So, so yeah, uh, or 95, 96. So, so anyway, I, I think that, uh, yeah, it's definitely possible. I, I made the joke um, 
I had to do an interview today for work uh, with a newspaper, and I didn't realize I was going to have, like, photos taken of me, but I wore, like, a combination of, like, a navy blue vest with this white long sleeve shirt that you guys can see that our fans, audio listeners can't, and I kept making the joke and sending out pics to my friends, and I was like, yeah, tell Jerry I'm ready for my interview, because I looked like <laughs> a head coach. Yeah, I was like, I'm ready. I'll do this, so... You know, it's funny. Your headset right now kind of looks like a fucking I, head coach. Head yeah, there you go. That's right. <laughs> we, we're fucking in the snow, but I totally wanted to wear it tonight for you guys to get the vibes. I'm like, yeah, look at me. I'm ready. I got my headset on too. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah, and, and the last thing uh, to bring up to kind of like put a close on football. Uh, I almost bought Madden game, but I was like, nah. <laughs> I just shook my head. I'm like, I'm like, I'm not getting into this ecosystem. Uh, yeah, I almost buy sports games all the time. I almost bought MLB The Show and the new F1 game, and I was like, Nah, nah, I'm just not even, I'm not even gonna get my. So my guilty pleasure, but I've gotten out of it lately because. Again, a lot of those games are just like recycled games yeah. they put out every year, and it's nonsensical, and we won't get into all that. But my, my guilty pleasure, I love playing the FIFA games. I love them. They're fun. They really are. They, they're a blast to play. And, like, they, they really hit a stride there, like, in the, like the late 2000s, like, early, like, teens. That's the last time I played them. I, oh, they are so fun. Three was the last one I ever played. Oh, sure, sure. But, yeah. And, again, Madden here and there is fun, but, like, it ends up being a lot of the same game, and it's just it's it's hard to get into. I think you made the right decision, given you're already stuck in the, the quicksand that is the NHL. NHL, yeah. It's yeah. tough. Uh, Andy, you worked at GameStop. Um, tell me if you had the same customers. Did you have the people that used to come in and buy FIFA games, but never the FIFA games for the same year? Um, I mean... Maybe not FIFA specifically, but yeah, like the older sport. I mean, the older sports games were always like, you know, three and four dollars. Yeah. So, so a lot so, of people would just get that stuff. So uh, you just really asked Andy in a roundabout way. Did, did poor people ever shop at your game? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> did people ever come up. in and drop 60 bucks on a new sports game? Because yes. <laughs> I'm about to say something not PC related, but I am going to make a PC. Um, we called it the lat uh, the Latino um, bundle, but we didn't say Latino. I'll say it off air what we called it. Oh, uh, I, I, I think you already said it. Relation of West Virginia, so yeah, yeah. We, we don't have any of those Latins. Yeah, so they would come in <laughs> and th- they would be like, "Hey, I want FIFA," you know, and we go, "Oh, the new FIFA's out," and you're like, "No." Give me last year, no memory card I beat today. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> no memory card I beat today. And we would give them FIFA, um, you know, the, the, the following the past years. And because if you remember, if you buy used games at GameStop, you have you seven days to return for yeah. the full game for, for the full amount. And that's it what they would rental. do. Nah, yeah, they rent People do that too. They pulled up that, yeah. that old uh, GameStop blockbuster combo. Yeah. Ran it mm-hmm. for a weekend, bring it back. Oh, the disc doesn't work. What do you What do you mean the disc doesn't work? It doesn't work. Well, no, for a while they did. You could just return, even if it still worked. If it was within seven like days, it. you could just bring it back, and you got that full credit back. So a lot um, of people yeah. would just use this like a rental service, which you know it was just like you know a ten dollar used game. I don't fucking care, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. it didn't cost you anything. But it wasn't GameStop. making GameStop any money, so they, yeah. I don't think they do it anymore. Yeah, GameStop. I mean, I know like blockbuster type stores don't exist anymore, and I don't think it's a business type anymore. But 
Maybe do like a rental thing. <laughs> I don't know, because people were using your used program and it probably changed. I mean, when now. Game Pass costs the, the equivalent of a couple rentals, why? Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a reason why like the store dramatically changed from what they sell. Like, yeah, I think it's already been proven too. Now. like the this like they make more money off selling like the bullshit like knickknacks and stuff. And tchotchkes like that are in the pop store figures. Yeah, pop figures and like trading card stuff like they make more money off of that now than they do the video game stuff like or accessories it's, it's half like, their store now yeah yeah they'll, they'll just make more money off of it which i mean it makes sense like people want to download digitally like there's a lot of markup on that and the markup on video games is like nothing you make some money off accessories but that's about it the markup on consoles mm-hmm. is like two percent or something like it's negligible oh yeah, yeah. it's not where their money's at but that naruto t-shirt they're gonna get you they're gonna yeah. beat that dollar that's right. Yeah, I work at a shoe store, and like they're going through the same similar path as GameStop, where they're just like not making money anymore because their shoes are getting too expensive, and you know, and all that stuff. So I made the joke. I'm like, what are they going to start doing? Start getting like Kanye West fucking albums so they they could compare it with the the Yeezys and stuff, and we're just going to sell outrageous shit in the store. Maybe because yeah, because apparently they used to sell like net jewelry, and I'm like. Why would you do jewelry inside of a... I mean, at least it's something you wear, like shoes, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Well, Funko Pop figures <laughs> with your shoes. That, that, that'd be funny if the Funko Pops start showing up in the shoe store that I work at. Um, or or but gourmet anyway. popcorn. Gourmet popcorn's the way to go. Yeah. I can actually see that happening. The gourmet popcorn. Uh, <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Uh, we're going to sign out here. Remember, the last American hero is what we're going to be talking about next week. Uh, you may uh, sometimes Zach shows up when he wants to because he's at a house that he's able to do the show. So maybe he might be here. Maybe not. We got a scheme. We'll see how it works out. Yeah, that bum ass leg drifter. I hope he shows up. I miss him. Yeah, I hope he's for the <laughs> ranking because I think that's where we're going to have the big discussions. That That's what I'm hoping too. I wanted to be here for the ranking. Yeah. Anyway, PP Dubs, take us out. Until next time, everybody, bye. Thanks for listening. Bye. I didn't wave this time. I'm proud of myself. Good job. I did. Hey, do you want to be in the show? Make sure you email them bigtroublenet at gmail.com. They are also on Twitter at bigtroublenet. You can listen to all their shows on all podcast services. So until next time, catch ya in the next Pit stop.